Um, as you can tell, you can tell at home, I am not Eric Barton. Eric's uh, taking uh, the day off. Um, and so my name is Scott Gill. I'm one of the elders here at the downtown campus. And uh, it's an honor to be able to, uh, to preach today. Um, it's kind of an interesting story how I got here. Uh, last Sunday, I was actually preaching in Henderson at the uh, Bethel campus in Henderson. And my wife and I drove back. We sat down to lunch. Um, and Eric gave me a call and said, Scott, would you like to preach? And I said, sure, I'd, I'll be more than happy to do so. And um, I said, you know, I, I missed today. I was in Henderson. You know, what book of the Bible did you go to? What, you know, passage are we going to do for the, the summer? And uh, he gave the response that for a person like me that's uh, kind of prone to ADD, uh, did not want to hear. And he said, Scott, it's wide open. And um, that created just a bunch of anxiety in me. I, I had no idea where to go in, in, in Scripture. And, and sometimes material just presents itself. Um, I had a busy slate of, of activities Sunday afternoon and, and Monday, so I really didn't get a lot of time to think about it. But Monday afternoon, I was just kind of reflecting on what's happened in the past few days. And, um, you know, with, with, with COVID and isolation and a resurgence of cases and, um, you know, you've got social protests and, and, and you know, just uh, upheaval uh, that are going on. You know, people are stressed. Um, people are uh, down and out. Uh, talking to Stephanie earlier uh, this morning, there are people that are, are angry out there. And, and so I, I just started reflecting on that, and I, and I picked up a, a little read of a, one of my seminary professors. He wrote a, just a little book. It's called uh, Suffering Successfully, and I was just thumbing through this Monday afternoon, and I came to this. He quotes uh, an author, uh, Helmut Thielich, and he says this, we do not know what is coming into our lives, but we know who is coming, and he comes for us. And if we know he possesses the last hour, we do not need to fear the next minute. And I found a lot of comfort in that. So I was just reading on through, and I get to this part. And this really just, just hit my heart. It says this, as we learn to live, talking about Christians here, as we learn to live and to suffer together, we make visible the invisible Christ to a lost and dying world. That is a great purpose statement. And then he continues on. There's an old Latin phrase, silvatur ambulando, which means it is solved by walking. Light goes off in my head. The questions concerning the problem of evil, the reality of pain and suffering in this life are not simply answered by definition or description in a book or a lecture on life. These questions are understood and resolved by living them out through one's life and relationship with God. It is solved by walking. And that brings us to our big idea for the day. And it's simply that. You got the Latin or you got the English. It's solved by walking. Last week, Eric preached from the book of Philippians. It's a very encouraging letter that Paul wrote. Today, we're going to be in Galatians. Um, and uh, we're actually going to be in a very familiar passage. So if you all open your Bibles to the book of Galatians, turn to chapter 5. We are going to be in Galatians 5, 16 through 25, and we will see uh, where Paul speaks about our big idea that it is solved by, by walking. Now, look, I hope today's a little bit different. I know a lot of folks are at home, maybe in their pajamas. I got dressed today. I'm not in my pajamas. Uh, I got a bunch of books. I got a bunch of, of things that are, are tabbed here today, and, and 
the only reason I did that is I think that these authors are, are, have a far better mind than I do, and, and they write a lot more eloquently than, than I, can, I can speak. So uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to read all of these. These are just here that I, I have. If something comes to mind, I'm going to read them. So as you open your Bibles to chapter 5, let me just kind of set the context to Paul's letter to the Galatians. If you remember uh, from Acts 13 and 14, Luke records Paul's first missionary journey into southern Galatia. And um, the theme of, that, of this letter is this. Those who are justified by grace through faith should live a life by grace through faith. That is, if you're in Christ, you should live like it. And Paul not only, he not only says this, but he answers a tough question of how to do that, how to live in Christ. And the answer is it's solved by walking. Most of Paul's letters, um, they're what we call occasional letters. There's an occasion for Paul to respond or to write to, to the churches. And, and in the case of Galatia, if you remember, Paul made this journey probably around 47, 48, maybe 49 A.D., and shortly after he returns back to uh, Antioch in Syria, clearly he gets word that something has changed. Somebody has come behind him after he's preached the gospel of grace. Somebody has come in, particularly Jewish Christians have come in and said, hey, wait a minute. You're not keeping the Mosaic law uh, or parts of the Mosaic law for the Gentiles uh, in their salvation and sanctification. And it was a fairly common problem. Matter of fact, you can read in, in Acts 15 uh, in the, the Jewish council that this problem was, was pretty persistent in the days of the early church. Now, I realize there are a couple of theories here on the book of Galatia when it was written. There's a, the, the northern theory, the southern theory. Uh, I don't that, think that really uh, affects the interpretation here. Just know where I'm coming from. I think it's the southern theory. Um, so that tells me that he probably wrote this around 49 AD. Again, I don't think it really matters much to interpretation. What is interesting about this letter is it's a very personal letter. I mean, Paul is expressing care, concern, love for his brothers and sisters in Christ, yet he does so in an emotional way. And if those of you who have read it, it's almost as if um, Paul has tone. And I'm not going to say it's scornful tone, but he does say, who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? So he, he's definitely got tone. But if you were to go to, to chapter 2, he's, he makes this... Um, soteriological statement in verse 16. He says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul was concerned about salvation, as we might call it. But more important to Paul, more important to Paul was this. He was concerned about their sanctification. So just a few verses down in verse 20, he says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And Paul does the same thing in Ephesians. If you went to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8, you know, Paul gives his, his soteriological comment, and he says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. It's faith plus nothing. But Paul is concerned about sanctification. If you read on in verse 10, he says this, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Works has nothing to do with justification, but it has everything to do with your sanctification. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, walk in them. Regarding our sanctification challenge, 
It's solved by walking. So um, in Galatians chapter 5, uh, you'll see that in, I think, the first four chapters, Paul presents his defense of grace. He also pre presents his theological construct of grace. And chapter 5 kind of marks the beginning of what I call an application of grace. So uh, before we get to 16 through 25, um, let's pray, and um, then we'll unpack this, this portion of what, uh, what Paul has written. Heavenly Father, Lord God, um, I just want to pray for me right now, Lord, that you give me clarity of mind, clarity of speech, that uh, my words uh, are honor to you. And, and Lord, I just want to pray for those who are listening, either here in person or on Facebook, live, or, or uh, through a recording, Lord, that uh, the words that are spoken uh, are the words uh, that you want them to hear, uh, that they hear something better than what is spoken, uh, that they hear truth and they hear your love and concern uh, for them. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in verses uh, 16 through 25, and let me just, let me just start, um, and, and I'll, I'll just say this, 16 through 25, it's pretty heavy, and I don't have the time to go through and do a proper exposition of this 10-verse passage, and so I want to hit on something that's probably a little bit different than what you're used to seeing uh, when you read through this passage. Uh, I, I hope it's different. I hope you find it very informative and, and instructive, but but I think I need to set this up since it's a kind of application-based with uh, verse 5-1. And it says this. For, for freedom, Christ has put a, a set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Stand firm in the reality that Christ has set us free. In your position in Christ, you're free in your condition. So let, let, me, let me just explain that a little bit. When you believe that Jesus Christ is Savior, the Son of God, you are permanently placed in Christ. That's your position. You got saved is what we like to say in, in this part of the country. Saved from the permanent penalty of sin unto eternity with God. You're declared righteous. It's a forensic term. You're declared righteous in your justification by him. You're not made righteous. You're declared righteous. And critically, this is very critical, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Paul made that very clear in Romans 8, 38 through 39, which we, we studied uh, earlier this year. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, and you are permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's your position in Christ. He is solid in your position, and that is solid. Your condition is here on earth. So while position is a justification matter, condition is a sanctification matter. And while position is permanent, your condition, um, it's better thought as being temporarily challenged, uh, which is why we need leadership, which is why we, we should lean on the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so with freedom in our condition comes choice. And Paul exhorts us. He says this, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Slavery to what? To the Mosaic law, to the flesh, to the sin. Did anybody read Eric's note from yesterday? If you're familiar with verse 3 in chapter 4, Paul says this. We were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So, yeah, all of those kind of fit that. Um, but I think this is more speaking to what I call performance principles or the law of, of performance um, we try to perform our way uh, to please God. And um, my, uh, 
my old Bible teacher, uh, pastor, mentor, and, and later seminary professor um, wrote a book. And um, in that, he, he actually goes to Matthew and he speaks to some of these performance principles that are still uh, in existence today. The first one is this. You focus on the minors and you neglect the majors. You're focusing on, on, the, on the little things, but you're, you're neglecting the big things. And Jesus is speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, and he says this in chapter 23, verse 23. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matter of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. The Bible says a lot about showing mercy. James chapter 2, 13, mercy triumphs over justice. Uh, matter of fact, if you're in Matthew chapter 9, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus says this to the Pharisees. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's quoting from Hosea at that point. Uh, that's number one, focus on the minors, neglecting the majors. Number two, you emphasize the external while ignoring the internal. Again, chapter 23 of Matthew, Jesus says this to the scribes and Pharisees. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. And he also says this, For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So number one, you focus on the minors, you neglect the majors. Number two, you look at the externals uh, as opposed to the internals. And then number three is this. He says, pride. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Hmm. So Paul is saying back in Galatians from chapter 5, we're called to freedom. And in 13, he says this, For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Paul is encouraging them, he's exhorting them to use this freedom, not for the flesh. Don't, don't mess with it, don't be tempted with it, but choose the substitutionary life of Christ. Christ crucified. Um, I was crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. I live by faith. So what does that look like? He says here, for through love, serve one another. How does that happen? Well, now we get to the, the, the scripture of study today. Verse 16, 16 through 25, Paul writes this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I'm glad I gave up my Ouija board. Enmity, strife. Jealousy. Well, the first ones I was like pretty good with. Now he's starting to hit home. You know, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, revelries. Your Bible might say orgies and things like these. 
And I warn you, says Paul, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom. And I'm just going to pause for one minute. Um, we don't have time to go through this today, but you know, he says they will not inherit the kingdom. There's a difference between entering the kingdom and inheriting the kingdom. Um, so these, I think he's writing to Christian believers who are caught up in these works of the flesh. That doesn't mean they're going to hell, uh, all right? But it talks about inheriting the kingdom. Again, a sermon for Eric to follow up on and clarify everything I've, I've messed up here. He says in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all internal things. God looks to the root. And notice also, you don't produce those things. The Holy Spirit produces those things. And it doesn't matter what your, your condition is, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're living in Tyler, Texas, or, or, or somewhere in the mission field far, far away in a remote part of the world. Uh, it has nothing to do with, with that. The Holy Spirit in you produces those fruits. And Paul writes, And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then in verse 25, he says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And that's really what I want to get to today is, I think the key to the victorious Christian life is right there. He says it three times. He says, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I think all three of those are are different. I don't know what your translations say. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Um, I do think that the nuance there is, is critical to understanding the, the color uh, of what Paul is, is trying to say because it speaks to the big idea that uh, it's solved by walking. And that's our focus. Verse 16 says, you walk by the Spirit. 18 says, you be led by the Spirit. And 25 says, keep in step with the Spirit. There are differences. So what I'd like to do in the next few minutes is... Um, I want to do, do three things. I want to take a little bit of time and talk about just two ministries of the Holy Spirit. Then I want to take a look at each of those three verses in some detail. I'm going to go through the Greek and just, just show you the, those nuances and, and the richness of Paul's writing. And then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, as Eric says, we'll land the plane here with you know, three or four implications uh, from what we can, can gather from that. So a couple of ministries of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about baptizing, and I'm going to talk about leading. At the moment that a, a, uh, a person... Uh, comes to faith in Christ, believers are immediately and permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And let me just read some scripture to you. This is uh, Paul's letter, his first letter the, uh, to the Corinthians, the first one actually in the Bible that we have here. Uh, he wrote one before this that we don't have. It says, uh, chapter 12, verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, it goes back to the old days where they took a piece of cloth, they, they, they baptized it, they immersed it into a, a bunch of dye. When the cloth comes out, that, that cloth has that dye in it. It's, 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 that dye is now part of the cloth. So we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And in, in Romans chapter 5, um, Paul wrote this, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. The Spirit has been given to us. And uh, we read in, in 2 Corinthians that it wasn't only given to us, it was a guarantee. Paul writes this in uh, chapter 5, verse 5. Who has, prepared, who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us 
his spirit as a guarantee. Matter of fact, if you were to, to flip to Ephesians chapter 1, a uh, very uh, Christ-centered passage as he opens up uh, the, the first part of Ephesians chapter 1, uh, down in verse 13, it says, In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit. That, that shows uh, authenticity. It shows uh, ownership. It, it, and, and a seal can only be broken by the one giving it or the one receiving it. Think of uh, in Revelation, you know, who can open the seal? Only Christ. You have been sealed. And, he, and Paul finishes that in verse 14 of, of Ephesians 1. He says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. That guarantee is God himself. So the baptizing ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is, is pretty powerful. It's solid assurance. And the second ministry is the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what we get to here in chapter 5 of Galatians. So if baptizing was indwelt, permanent fact, we see that the leading of the Spirit is actually enabling. It's progressive, and it's by faith. And by faith, I mean that you know, we, we exercise our faith, uh, particularly in times of trial and in times of, of suffering. And just also note that it's the Holy Spirit that leads us and, and not the other way around. So let's, let's look at verse 16. Verse 16 says this, But I say, walk, walk by the Spirit. If your translation says, but I say, live by the Spirit, just do me a favor, put a little line through that and write the word walk above it. Uh, if, you were to, if you were to look at uh, the letter to, to the Galatians and particularly in chapter 2 when, when Paul talks about living, he uses a, a Greek word of the form zao, right? Uh, matter of fact, if you're to, to turn to 525, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The first part of that, if we live, he also uses that, that Greek word uh, from zaho. Here in 16, he says this, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Peripateo. That literally means walk or tread about. Um, so it is, it, I think Paul is, is talking about something that's active here, walking around. You walk by the Spirit. Um, again, I mentioned my, my, one of my professors, Dr. Anderson. He wrote this really neat book. Uh, it's called Bewitched, the Rise of Neo-Galatianism, uh, modern-day uh, legalism that, that we face. But here's an interesting part that I picked up that, that really speaks to this, this Greek word for walk. Says this, and I, I just love philosophy anyway. Says, in fact, the philosophy students who followed Socrates around a walking path he used to teach via the Socratic method were called peripatetics because they walked around in a circle with their teacher. So Paul writes here, and it's really kind of conditional. He basically says, if you walk by the Spirit, then you will not gratify. The desires of the flesh. See, the desires of the flesh are opposed to the desires of the spirit. They're against one another. So Paul's going to throw some caution on there, right? So it's basically like saying, okay, I'm walking around, and I'm walking around. I think I'm walking in the spirit, and I'm looking at my own self-righteousness, or I'm looking at I'm trying to rationalize my behavior, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, but the spirit's over there. The spirit is over there. So Paul wants to make clear, hey, look, your flesh and, and, and the Spirit are opposed to one another, and it's very easy for you to get off track. So he just makes this point in verse 18. He comes back and says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
led by the Spirit. You know, I think, and we'll pull up Anderson's notes again. He writes this. It's surprising how many times believers think they are living a Spirit-led life when they are violating clear, non-ambiguous commands from the Holy Spirit in Scripture. So we need to both listen and learn, as well as obey what we hear. Because when, when Paul kind of goes here through the, the, the works of the flesh and, and the fruit of the Spirit, you know, what we really see that you know, these things are opposed. You know, Scripture says that it's possible to quench the Holy Spirit. Scripture says that it's possible to uh, grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and I think that when you're, you're in these works of the flesh, you're, you're, you're doing that. You're, you're going against um, what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. And so we get down to verse 25. Remember, we, we, we're to, to walk by the Spirit. We're to be led by the Spirit, and I think 25 just kind of brings it all together. And he says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Remember in verse 16, the, 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 the Greek word there is peripateo, means to walk, to tread. Well, here, if your Bible says, you know, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit, can put a little line through that, because the Greek word is different. Here, the Greek word is still keo. Which, which is different. It means to march, to keep in step. The ESV does a good job, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And that is a, a, a different word altogether. When you're marching uh, under the direction of a commander, you're generally uh, in, in step with, you're in pace with, you're, you're in line with him. And more importantly, when you're with your fellow believers in community, it's very hard to get off track. Uh, and I think, you know, Paul is speaking to that. He says, stay in step with the Holy Spirit and with the community of believers because it is solved. It is solved by walking. So that brings me to um, some implications for the day. Um, and I would say this. Let me just, I'm going to give you, I think, three or four of these. The first one is this. Yield to the Spirit. There is such a thing as volition. You have a choice. And I think, you know, why else would Paul be writing about, you know, a matter of flesh? You know, it, it, that's not automatic. Uh, the, the living a life by, led by the Spirit, that's not automatic. Uh, you have choice. You're free to choose. You know, that, and, and so, you know, if you think about what Moses wrote to the Israelites many years ago, he says this. He says, you know, these things are set before you this day. Choose life. Uh, and so Paul says, look, make up your mind. Decide to follow the Holy Spirit. So once you've made up your mind, number two is this. Keep pace with the Spirit. You know, if you get ahead of him or you wander off to the side of him or you, you lag behind him, you're going to get off the path of righteousness. It's, it's going to happen. So Paul says, be led by the Spirit. Keep pace with the Spirit. Stay in his word. Stay in a community of believers. Number three is this. Focus. Focus on the Spirit. Not only do you decide to yield, that you can make your mind up that you're going to follow him, uh, you stay in his word, you stay in a community of believers, but you set your minds on things above. Uh, in Romans uh, chapter 8, when you know, Paul's writing on his great sanctification piece, uh, he says this, he puts it this way, starting in verse 5, he says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, and to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. We really need that in today's time. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then lastly, I would say this. Follow the direction of the Spirit. It's, it's easy to, to, to fall into um, to the prideful ways of life, building uh, your own kingdom around yourself as opposed to um, seeking the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. And how did he finish that verse? He said, and these things will be added because it's solved by walking. The Spirit is leading you in the direction of his kingdom. Yield to him. Keep pace with him. And focus the mind on him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, um, Lord, we... uh, We just want to say thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. Lord, we also realize that with that freedom, um, there is choice to either walk in the Spirit or walk by the flesh, Lord. And Lord, we just, uh, right now, we just ask that your Holy Spirit be ever present and ever pushing us to, uh, to follow him. Lord, we thank you for your word and all that it entails. We know that your word does not return void. Uh, may we be a, may we just be a congregation that is devoted to studying your word and to walking in your ways. Lord, as we uh, go about, uh, just let us have that peace of mind uh, to not let the things of this, this world uh, bring us down, uh, to bring us to anger, uh, that we find the fruit of the Spirit comes from inside. And we, do, we, 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 we get to benefit from that fruit by walking in your ways. Lord, I just pray for this congregation, uh, that you watch over them, you protect them, uh, guide and direct them. In Jesus' name, amen.